Welcome to our Middle Market Moment, where we speak with other professionals who can help business owners build value, de-risk their companies, and prepare both personally and professionally to do the deal of a lifetime through mergers and acquisitions. Today, I wanna to welcome Homer Smith from Convergent Wealth Partners. Homer and his team work with successful families and business owners to advance their wealth. They focus on planning, wealth management, and family office services to help high net worth families and business owner clients quiet the noise around their financial life, gain alignment on their values and goals, and execute on the actions needed to manage their business and their personal wealth. Homer also ensures clients avoid costly mistakes by quarterbacking the critical planning process that allows clients to achieve that peace of mind when approaching the sale of their business and then managing their wealth post-closed. It's my pleasure to welcome Homer Smith. Hey, Homer, how are you? I'm well, Craig, thanks for having me. Looking forward to the conversation today. Absolutely. You and I have known each other for a lot of years, and I've been uh, privy to some of the excellent work that you do on behalf of, of our clients. So I want to I want to thank you for that. And I think our time together will be best spent in terms of backing up a little bit. We talk a lot about M&A transactions, but ultimately being well prepared, having a great plan and executing to that plan is the key to what I'll call a dream exit. Yep. So I want to jump right in and talk about kind of the trifecta of M&A where the personal readiness, the business readiness, and the market receptiveness align. Yep. So maybe from your perspective, how do you help your clients truly prepare for an exit event? Yeah, I think I'll start by kind of higher level, you know, to your intro, what we really are known for more than anything else is helping successful families and business owners navigate life's complex transitions. And that could be anything from related to M&A, you know, uh, maybe moving just from owner operator to owner and taking a step back from the day-to-day -day operations of the business to looking at that internal transition where it might go uh, to the management team or the next generation in a family business or maximizing the sale value in an, in an outside sale. And then post-transaction, helping our families think about how are they going to transition this wealth to the next generation in a way that's positive and impactful and not destructive. <clears throat> and so all of that planning to your point from pre-sale to post-sale is all integrated <clears throat> in what we do. And I'd say the first step in what we would <clears throat> really highlight for, for business owners is you got to start this early and mm -hmm. doing the planning. Once you have an LOI in hand, um, is going to be a challenge. I know we'll probably get into more of that as we go through the call, sure, uh, but I'd sure. say the most critical component to this is time. Mm -hmm. And the more time that your team, including your M&A advisor, your wealth manager, your, your accountant, your attorney have to help you map out <clears throat> all of the options that you have available to you, um, the more successful your outcome is going to be. Yeah, that's that's great advice. And let me let me back up even further. Let's maybe uh, a baseline so that you know people that are listening to this can kind of see themselves in it a little bit. Um, what do you see in working with all your clients? Kind of when you when they come to you, what is their state of readiness relative on the personal front and the business front? You know, you're dealing with some successful people that that have owned really successful companies, and they've got 
different pockets of wealth, per, you know, perhaps, but what do you see as the general state of readiness and, and kind of education of that, you know, would be seller that says, all right, I'm done. I want to sell, or I want to transition to management or transition to family. Yeah, I think on the on, there's two sides to readiness from our point of view. It's it's financial readiness, but it's also mental, emotional readiness for the sale. And I would say what we found is that it's it's rare that they're they're ready for both. And in the emotional readiness is often the more surprising one. But most of our clients are founder led business owners. Mm. This business is their baby. This is something they've been working on for 30, 40 years. Maybe they've been through multiple market cycles. They've almost lost the business potentially multiple times. Um, and they've never developed hobbies outside of the business. And so their purpose is the business and their clients and their and their staff. So thinking about life after the business um, and what they're going to do um, can be a very challenging component of this that needs to be addressed. On the financial side, I think it's very similar. Uh, they might be seeing you know, numbers for the first time in the last five or 10 years in terms of where they finally got this business to the point where it is kicking off a really good income for them. But they haven't done the math on, okay, if I sell this thing, what is my true net going to be um, after I sell this? You know, They hear numbers all the time from other friends or from professionals that have helped sell other businesses. And so they're putting numbers in their head of what they think their business is worth, but they don't know for sure. And they also um, haven't done the math on, okay, what about taxes and what's the true net going to be? And what is my, what is my budget really right now? Because they're living off the cash flow of the business. You know, how much of that cash flow is running through the business, you know, and then and paying for things that, you know, post-transaction are going to have to come from after-tax dollars, not potentially pre-tax dollars. So uh, I would say it's, um, uh, there's a lot of work and pretty much every client that we've taken on that needs work on both the financial readiness pre-sale and the emotional, you know, mental readiness pre-sale. Yeah, maybe you can share, <clears throat> tell me a little bit about, um, you know, on the emotional side, how do you help business owners make that transition? Because as you mentioned, you work with a lot of founders, so do we, uh, and founders are a special breed, right? They, they tend to be a little more controlling because they really want their business to succeed and they believe it's up to them. And as they progress the business, they start to develop a management team and scale and, you know, have to hand off the reins a little bit. But that final letting go or that final turning over is different, difficult emotionally for them often. How do you how do you assist them or what practical advice do you give them to kind of trial balloon and exit or, you know, I, I, the famous one is, well, I'm going to play golf every day. Well, after doing that for a couple months, you know, golf isn't always, uh, uh, you know, an everyday occurrence, right? How do you, how do you help them navigate that? I think the most important thing, at least in all of the research we have done around this, especially with founders is this idea of purpose and what we help them understand. And it's, it's difficult um, because they're still often very engaged in the, in the running of the business. But we we need we help them try to think through what is going to be your purpose every day when you don't have this business anymore. Because right now, you know, getting up every day is not an issue. They love the business. They may not love every day in terms of some of the work involved, but they love this business. This is one of their kids, effectively, right? And so, um, the idea of have not having that business around to motivate them to get out of bed every day, you know, what is going to be that motivation? What's going to be that purpose that keeps them going? And we. You know, on the unfortunate side, there's actually a number of studies out 
on those that retire early, whether it's selling their business or retiring just from a, a W-2 type job early. And, and life expectancy actually isn't longer. It's actually shorter right. for those that retire early. And it, our belief is, and from our research, is that it's this lack of purpose. And they're, they end up more stressed with nothing to do than the stress of running a very complex middle market business. And so it's really helping them start to think through not just what's going to keep them busy day to day, not the golf, not the travel, mm -hmm. but what's going to be that purpose that gets them out of bed and gets them energized um, to keep learning, keep developing, keep growing, which which I think is, is the most important component of that. Yeah, I think you and I have both seen some uh, studies around post-transaction satisfaction. Yes. And there's a high correlation with purpose and with being prepared for a transaction versus having a transaction run you over, right? Yes. This, it was this blitz, right? Uh, maybe talk a little bit about, you know, or even some of the folks that you've seen where they take away, even though they've sold their baby, they take away a high degree of satisfaction because of their level of preparedness, their level of purpose and understanding. Do you have any stories? Yeah. Around? I know you can't talk about individual clients, but just uh, generically speaking. Yeah, well, let's start with, I think, the opposite of that and some of those studies that you mentioned. So mm -hmm. we've done some research and and you can definitely, I think, validate it in that from what we've seen, and this was from Biz by Sell and, and you know, probably on the smaller side on average of businesses, but their research shows that only about 20 to 25% of businesses that basically raise their hand and say, I want to sell are actually able to complete a transaction in any given year. Now, obviously, if they're coming to you and they've done more of the pre-work and you guys have vetted them and, and you you engage them, that number is going to be higher because you're only going to take on those that are more prepared. But in general, those that are ready and want or not ready, but want to sell only about one in four, one in five complete a transaction. From there, of those that complete a transaction from the research we've done, only about 12 percent of those end up highly satisfied with the outcome. So you kind of put that together, only about two and a half to 3% of owners that start the year saying, I want to sell my business are able to be, uh, have a completed transaction and highly satisfied with the result. That's pretty stark. That's not a good number. Um, so what is the difference in those two or 3% that make it? Um, it, what we have recognized in all of this, it is that pre-sale planning. So they did the work on the pre-sale, both corporate planning. So they've done the work to make their business as attractive as possible. They they looked at their business from the eye of a buyer um, or investor and, and recognized where are our gaps? Where, where are the things that um, we're gonna have to defend in a transaction? And whether they could fix them or not, they at least knew what the, what the reality was gonna be around those issues. So they were prepared, their financials were in order. Um, they, they built a moat around their business if they could. They increased recurring revenue, all the key pieces that that we know make businesses more valuable. They did the work in advance, right? And then they did the work on the pre-sale personal planning. So they knew the likely net outcome from the transaction, or at least what the minimum needed to be in order to live the lifestyle that they wanted. They did the work uh, thinking through what, what is going to keep me busy and active and, and have that purpose pre-sale. So that, that two or 3%, they did that work um, on both the corporate pre-sale planning and the personal pre-sale planning. Yeah, that's huge. And I, you know, I haven't seen any data around this. Uh, anecdotally, we can probably offer a few thoughts, but you know, as a rule, I'll, I'll go left field on you a little bit, but as a rule, the, the sellers that don't do the planning, don't do the tax preparation, don't do all of those things, you know, obviously they may not get to a transaction. They may not get to deal satisfaction, but 
how much just from your experience do you think they leave on the table by not doing that important work of planning? Yeah, I think it's pretty significant. And, and, you know, when we get brought in, you know, it's kind of a conversation depending on the timing of, you know, and kind of a stark analogy maybe, but are we fattening up the pig for market and have some time to really get this thing optimized or are we putting some lipstick on this and just doing our very best to, to, do some tax savings if we can pre-sale or are we now in the post-sale planning uh what can we do on the other side of this but for those that have the time to prepare um you know i, I think it's i mean it's millions of dollars mm -hmm. in savings um, and we're we're going through that process right now where you know we, we have just enough time to do some planning um, and the deal size is large enough that you know it's potentially tens of millions of dollars for this family that's going to be saved just by how we structure the assets prior to the sale. So it can be significant uh, depending on the size of the transaction. Yeah, and I think it's important for people watching this and, and we offer the same advice and it's shocking how, how often uh, people don't take us up on this and we've become more insistent over the years. You know, the three things that need to be done are go see your investment banker and get an understanding of whether your, your company is sellable, right? Yeah. That's the one. Uh, and along with that is what your valuation, what the marketplace will reward you with, right? That's our job. We value companies for a living. So now you have kind of the top line. And as you said, get with the CPA and look at the tax ramifications based on different structures. So now you know your net after tax proceeds, or at least an approximation of that. And then the third thing we do, and not necessarily in, in that order, but is consult with your planning team and your wealth management team to understand your number and is that enough to meet your goals whether your goals are to retire whether your goals are to start another business or what have you knowing your number your net number and knowing whether it's enough to reach your goals so let's let's maybe jump into that a little bit um, in terms of knowing your number so let's say a client has done the work gone to an investment bank and say, I'm, uh, you know, my business is probably going to sell somewhere in the 40 to 50 million. My tax obligations are going just for sake of round numbers are going to be 10 million. So I know I'm going to net between 30 and 40 million. And my goals in working with you might be, I want to make sure that I have enough to retire or, you know, take 5 million of that and start another business. How do you go about that in, in terms of helping them see the future? see whether there's enough financial resources available to meet their goals. Yeah, I think there's a couple of sides to it. First is before we even get to running the Monte Carlos and all the financial analysis on their budgets and all of that sort of thing, we do take a step back and say, okay, is there something we can still do pre-sale though to enhance the net mm. that you're going to receive? So you might think it might be 30 35 but what if what if we can do some things to make it even more right so i think that's the importance of in the wealth management world um most financial advisors if not all can run a monte carlo they have planning software they can tell you okay start with this number this budget here's how much you can earn you know take out per year and the likelihood of this money lasting your lifetime mm -hmm. um, what is probably less common is can they do the the planning pre-sale just to get you a bigger number um, to start with which is just going to increase the likelihood those dollars last a, a significant amount more time so having a team again your accountant your attorney your wealth manager that um, 
focus on working with clients going through these types of transitions, I think is really important because they can enhance the starting point um, for then creating that that plan for distribution and for for income creation. And then on the other side of it is, you know, we're not done on the tax estate, all that kind of planning there either is, you know, are there structures we can do on the other side that can make it um, more likely to minimize taxes going forward so that it's easier to have these dollars last longer if there's less of a tax drag attached to them. And so for us, um, taxes are such an important component of the planning that we do. And, and not only on the income, most people focus on the income tax side. Uh, and in a transaction, you know, the, the, the federal government is, is working really hard to limit the options that business owners have from an income tax mm -hmm. standpoint. There, there still are, especially depending on the corporate structure. But, but one that I think a lot of advisors miss is the estate taxes mm -hmm. and the ability to eliminate um, a good chunk of the estate tax just on how you plan prior to the sale. So, so again, it's a combination of, of how do we address taxes from an estate and income standpoint. And then once we really optimize that, then how do we create the income stream that they're going to need and optimize that for them? And, and most importantly to all of that is have multiple options. And so our belief is our clients should see all of the best options that are available to them, not just the one or two that we typically like to put in front of clients, but all of them, all of the advantages and disadvantages. And what we're confident in is if we put the best options in front of our clients, um, they're going to make a smart decision on what works best for them. And that's really you know, the focus of what we're trying to do between all of the different planning is, is helping them make the smart decisions. Yeah, that's, that's, that's awesome. I think uh, having that approach and really kind of backing up the bus, so to speak, we, we see it and, and you started the program talked about, you know, what, what my competitor might have sold for, you know, they, they receive a lot of anecdotal information about what their company's worth. Uh, and, and a lot of owners right now, as, as we're meeting, uh, you know, have seen the 2021, you know, record highs for multiples and, and outcomes. And, you know, ultimately in this market where we're, we're off the record highs by a good bit, uh, people still want those outcomes, right? They still think that their their company is worth X. Um, so doing that tax planning up front is huge because at, at the end of the day, if you can be smart about it, you may not get the record-breaking multiple in today's market. But if you can save three or four uh, a million dollars, that's the equivalent of of you know winning off the tee box, right? How do you get, um, and, and I know most business owners are, are very uh, tax conscious, let's put it that way. Um, how do you have that conversation and how do you get, what, what's the catalyst? Because everybody says, hey, you should start planning two, three, four, five years, but very few people do it. How do you use kind of a catalyst to get them thinking that way and to get them see, to see the benefits of doing that planning work? Yeah, and for us, it's all just around what we call discovery. So the first question we typically will ask an owner is, you know, when is that timeline that they're thinking about the process of selling? And again, it might be two years, five years, the perpetual five-year plan that a lot of business owners have. Mm -hmm. uh, and I want to start asking questions. You know, what are you doing today? What kind of planning are you doing today to minimize the impact of taxes uh, when you do sell? And the answer usually is either I don't know or nothing. Mm -hmm. And that leads to the possibilities conversation. Okay. Um, are you interested 
in learning about options that you might have to mitigate taxes on the sale of the business. Mm-hmm. And I'd say that answer has always been a yes. And mm-hmm. so once they know what their what their options are, then they can make good decisions on whether it's worth pursuing um, or not for them. Um, but what, what our goal is to attach numbers to it. So once we identify that it's, it's of interest, we can identify, okay, what's your current structure? What are the available options? And what's the impact if you were to implement them? And is it meaningful enough to move forward on any of them and, and just help them again, um, get enough information in front of them so they can make a smart decision on whether they want to pursue that or not. Yeah, that's that's great advice. I think uh, we did a study a while back when interest rates were a little lower, and um, you know we found that if you had a company car, company paid insurance, and you went through the Starbucks drive-through every day, every workday, and that's a company expense, that you would need three hundred and thirty-three thousand dollars of post-transaction proceeds, money in the bank to now that you have to pay for that personally post-transaction. And that, that's, a, that's a tough one to get people to kind of get their head wrapped around, but I assume that's also part of that planning uh, that you guys do to say, okay, what does lifestyle look like? What are your goals going forward? And will this transaction meet your goals? And I guess, um, have you ever come across a situation where maybe sale of the company is not the best plan? Uh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, there's there are lifestyle businesses out there where, you know, the, the only option for them to keep living the lifestyle they're living is is through the business, that the, the sale process or the sale proceeds from a business, whether it's their industry, whether, you know, a lot of times they are the business. And so when you are the business, the ability for you to get a high multiple on the sale is very limited. And if they're not wanting to go through a process of replacing themselves within the business over a number of years, you know, it, the, the answer to them often you know, in that scenario is, you're, you're not really saleable and, you know, you're going in order to keep the same lifestyle that you're living today. The only option is to keep running the business um, mm-hmm. again, or unless you're willing to change um, the way you're running the business to, you know, you know, the whole idea of building this for sale, unless you're willing to go down that road and spend a few years preparing for that, that's just going to be the reality, unfortunately, um, of their situation. Yeah, it makes sense. And I know I'm jumping around a little bit and I, I love the conversation. Uh, let's let's get a little, let's geek out a little bit and let's get tactical for a second here. Maybe you can share, and I know everyone's situation is is different, right? In terms of what their basis is and all of that from a tax standpoint, but maybe you can kind of educate our audience a little bit as to a couple of the vehicles, if you will, as they start thinking about planning and taxation and maybe saving some dollars, uh, you know, at an exit, maybe, uh, you know, educate us a little bit about what's available out there and what are, what are more of the most uh, common used vehicles, if you will, to, uh, uh, to help an owner out from a tax saving standpoint. Yeah, I think the, I'll start with some estate planning because I think that's one that's, again, often missed in that um, we're at right now, um, you know, record high federal exemptions for estate and gift taxes. And so we have a window of time over the next couple of years to help clients think through, you know, if there were structures that they could gift a significant amount of their assets, including value in their business, especially if they think the value that business is going to appreciate in the future. And you can get that value out of your estate, but still maintain some level of access to the financial benefits of those assets. You know, is that something they'd be interested in? And there are vehicles that they could do that. You have to structure them correctly. You have to you know, do it the right way. 
Um, but they can do that. And by structuring that well and, and um, putting them assets out of the estate before the sale, um, any growth that then happens in the value of the business in the next number of years is going to happen without the, the tax drag of, of estate tax um, in the future. So I think that's a critical one. And again, there's a number of different specific structures and we will save um, people from eyes rolling in the back of their heads on the, on the specifics of it. But just but there are structures that we can help them with for that. On the income tax side, again, I think the government's doing a pretty good job of trying to limit some of those solutions, but there are still are a number of them out there, in particular for C corporations, which have been kind of a, um, a, a less popular way to structure a company in the last number of years as S corps have really, um, you know, become much more popular for the flow through uh, abilities. But C corporations have some unique tax structuring abilities, whether it's um, through founders, uh, founder shares of, of of C corps that get some be some beneficial tax treatment. Um, two, whether you're going to do something like uh, an employee stock ownership plan, if there's a, a a value in the company of of keeping the culture alive and the employees are critical to the business, um, there's some values in a C corporation structure for that as well. And so there's a number of of ways to think through that. And there's a lot of charitable structures if the if the family is charitably inclined, mm -hmm. where there's some, some significant benefits of of shifting some highly appreciated stock into a charitable structure ahead of the sale um, that still can provide some economic benefits back to the family post-sale for, for their lifetime or even for their kids' lifetimes. Um, so again, there's a number of strategies. Again, sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. Um, they can get really complex depending on the structure of the company. And so, you know, all, all, all the time our goal is, and what we tell a client is, if you don't understand it and you really, really don't understand it well, don't do it. Um, mm -hmm. But our job is to at least put, again, put those options on the table, help them understand it as best we can, give them the pros and cons, um, and show the numbers. What's the outcome for you if you were to implement this? And is that meaningful um, to do this level of planning? And it's also depending on um, how they own the business, where it's owned, where, where the income is being generated. There are jurisdictional options, especially if they have more time, where they can potentially um, move the ownership of the stock um, into different structures and vehicles. So again, it, it can get pretty into the weeds um, and I'll save, save the audience from that, but just know that there are options if you do it right. You know, we, we work with okay. a number of businesses in California and we often get asked, well, if I just move to Nevada a week before the sale and then move back a week after the sale, can I avoid California income tax? The answer is absolutely not. Um, right. You cannot do that. But if you have time, to plan and you do intend to move out of the state and stay out of the state for a significant period of time, um, there are ways that you can do this right, but you have to do it right and you have to mean it. Um, mm -hmm. We absolutely help clients think through that, review the options again, look at the numbers. Is it worth it um, to do this? And, and are you actually going to truly move um, out of the state? So, so again, there's a number of things we can look at, um, but again, our, our view is we're not interested in getting our clients audited and losing audits. We do things, you know, right down the middle, bright line transactions, and are going to help them understand, you know, how to do it the right way if they're going to do it. Yeah, that's, that's incredibly valuable. I, you know, it's, it's interesting. And we've talked about this before, you know, clients think, and, and time is the key here, right? If you have enough time, you can get great advice. Um, but they do think, generally speaking, that once they choose a path, they're locked into that path. 
oh, I'm a C Corp and, you know, I've got look back and, you know, forward transitions and, you know, a lot of things to consider there. So they, they kind of get locked into this thinking, uh, what if my transaction is, you know, 30 million instead of 50 million? Do I have to commit to making, you know, a philanthropic gift? You know, there's a lot of things that they think are not malleable, uh, but with the proper planning and the proper amount of time, there's usually a lot of flexibility in some of those tax saving plans. And, and again, I'm going to drag you into the weeds a little bit, like with a donor advised trust, you know, there's, there's some flexibility there that I think a lot of business owners don't really understand or understand the amount of flexibility. Maybe you can speak to that a little bit. Yeah. So there's a difference between planning understanding your options, having structures ready and in place for, you know, when you're ready to move forward with, you know, going to market and going to a transaction versus implementing the plan and, and being done with the movement of assets. And so our goal is always to your point, maximum flex flexibility for clients because things change, mm. tax laws change, estate laws change, business climate, market conditions change. And so we, we want to be very careful of locking uh, our clients into a strategy that they can't get out of well before we know what the outcomes of the sale are going to be. And so, you know, whether it's a donor advised fund, a private foundation, a charitable remainder trust, um, especially on the charitable planning side, because a lot in, in those scenarios, once you do the gifting, it's, it's hard to unwind those structures. Um, so, we want to make sure number one they're very charitably inclined if you start going down the road of charitable structures because the uh, letting the tax tail wag the dog usually does not end up well uh, because mm -hmm. you, those dollars are going to get to charity and at some point you got to really want them to um, to make the strategy work meaningfully um, but two you know you don't have to fund those vehicles five years before you sell um, you know you have to do it in advance but it doesn't have to be well before you're even planning to do the transaction itself. So, so again, understanding what the options are, what the tax impacts of them are, um, is important. But to your point, our goal is always to leave as much, much maximum flexibility into the planning process as can until we absolutely have to make the decision um, with those with those planning components. Yeah, that's great advice. You touched on it earlier. There's a couple of uh, macroeconomic trends going on and a couple of uh, pandemic inspired trends you know, boomers are working longer and they're the most entrepreneurial generation, right? So they own a disproportionate amount of middle market businesses. Um, and, and, you know, we, we've proven that we can work from anywhere uh, uh, through the pandemic. So we're seeing a lot of clients, to your point, talking about domicile, where I want to live, um, having more flexibility. They're going to keep their companies a little bit longer, but they're going to work half the year out of one location and half the year out of another. Are you seeing in your practice more people kind of exercising that flexibility, which also gives them some flexibility on the planning side and the tax side? It does. And we um, we're seeing it, especially in higher tax states, you know, it, it just happens that whether it's Florida, Texas, you know, Nevada, it happens to be a lower tax state where their second home location is. And whether it's for strategic reasons in the business to have, a second location in those areas or whether it's for personal um, lifestyle reasons it does allow for us to start the conversation we just had this with a with a client yesterday who has been based out of california but recently bought a commercial building in texas for distribution reasons and we started the conversation of it you know it might make sense over time for you to move the corporate headquarters to texas um, move your physical residence to te texas and mean it um, and really move there 
and at the time of, of the sale of this primary business would make a meaningful impact from a tax standpoint. But because we know we have four to five years for him to do the planning, we can we can start the conversation, help him understand the, the benefits of doing it, the disadvantages of doing it, and have plenty of time for it to be a legitimate move. Um, but yes, we are seeing that um, on the rise and um, you know, the, again, especially in, in high tax states like California, now Washington, you know, adding their uh, 7% excise tax, uh, capital gains tax on, on the business transactions. Um, the good news is, you know, we've been working out of California with a lot of clients down there. You know, the playbook is basically the same now. We can apply that we didn't need to in the past. You know, Washington's always been such a, a, a low uh, income tax state. It's been very valuable to sell your business here. You know, now it's become more problematic. And so the good news is there's a good playbook for that. And again, if you have time uh, to plan, uh, there's there's solutions that can be done. Yeah, that's terrific. I think um, I, I think ultimately uh, one thing that I, entrepreneurs can really start to think about is you know this is kind of the planning process, and 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 uh, you know we spend so much time thinking about growing our business and you know conquering the next hill. You know, planning is really kind of a gift you're giving yourself, and it's part of that transition of working in the business to working on the business. Can you maybe, from a from your perspective, from a planning perspective and a wealth management perspective, maybe can you summarize for us or kind of leave us with some parting thoughts relative to what are the next two or things, two or three things, excuse me, that a business owner should be doing to kick off that planning process and start kind of really working on the business and their personal side uh, to get the pro get the process going. Yeah, and I'd say it's I think it's as much on the professionals as it is on the business owner to help mm -hmm. them think through this. And I think one thing that we do really well that I think is really important to this process is helping business owners change the mindset from planning of being a cost center for the business to being a profit center, and that by paying fees to your attorneys, your accountants, your wealth managers in advance of a sale to help you think through all of the ideas. If we can help them understand what's the outcome that this planning is going to generate, what's the financial benefit that you're going to get from this? It's much easier for them to see this as an investment in the business to do this kind of planning when maybe spending six figures on fees to your attorney to restructure the business and your estate plan, if that's going to turn into 10 million plus in savings, you're still getting a, you know, a hundred X return on your investment in that structure. And so I think oftentimes, um, the professional world, we're not great at helping them really see the outcome, the benefits from the planning that we do. They just see, we, we present it as a cost, um, to them to do the planning without really connecting the dots to the benefits. And so I think that's the important side of it is, is having a team of professionals around you that um, is uh, experienced in doing transactions like the one they might be going through and the size that they're going through that's done this kind of planning and can walk them through the outcomes that it will generate and what difference that will make for them. I think that's, to me, that's just what we see when we get brought in is it doesn't, they might have really good professionals around them, very technical experts that are really good at what they're doing. What they haven't been able to do is help the owner really connect to the dots on the outcome by doing some of this planning that they'll get. Um, and so they hesitate uh, because 
they don't really know what the value is of doing that. And they don't know if they're leaving options on the table uh, that they're just not aware of. Right. And so, so I think that if you have a good team that can show you all the options, all the pros and cons, what's the actual financial benefit or outcome from doing it, you know, they're going to be in a much better position to make smart decisions. Yeah, that's great advice. And I, I think I would just echo, you know, as, as people consider their team, you know, this is a team sport and really the most effective outcomes I have seen is when, and, and part of the reason I love working with you is you're highly collaborative. And while you quarterback, you know, the planning and, you know, the process, you're bringing in CPA, iBanker, et cetera. And, and you know, I think we, we, we do the same, right? We're highly collaborative. We want a great outcome and we want an entire deal team serving that client versus having siloed professionals serve that client in their own lane. And I think the outcomes are, are so much better when, when you have a highly collaborative full deal team assisting that owner. Uh, so thank you for the work you do. And uh, we appreciate it. We appreciate working with you and, and the great advice that you've shared here today. Uh, how do people get in touch with uh, Convergent and Homer Smith? Yeah, our website is convergentwealthpartners.com. Um, um, we'll uh, make sure that we have that on the screen here. And mm -hmm. my email is the best way to reach out. And, and I'll, I'll finish off with this too, is that, you know, for many of us, because just like you, most of our business transactions are with founder led companies. They're not planning to be serial entrepreneurs where they sell this and start the next one or the next three. This is a one time, you know, once in a lifetime event and it, the dollars are meaningful. It's really important. It's done right. Uh, and so again, having the right team around you, the right investment banker, the right wealth manager, accountant, attorney, um, is critical uh, to getting the best outcome and, and making sure either they're part of the two or three percent that have a, a highly satisfactory outcome or that we can help shift them from an event where they might not have uh, to, to moving them into that group to, to make sure they get there. So so that's what I would uh, finish on with that. So appreciate it. Uh, always appreciate working with Craig with you and your team and and uh, look forward to uh, helping a number of successful business owners uh, you know, complete that highly satisfactory event here in the next uh, few years. Thanks, Homer. Thanks for participating in our middle market moment. And we'll look forward to bringing more professionals like Homer to uh, the process and through the dialogue in the coming weeks and months. Thanks for listening. All opinions expressed by Homer Smith are solely Smith's opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Integrated Wealth Concepts, LLC, Integrated, or its parent company or affiliates and may have been previously disseminated by Smith on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Smith as a specific inducement to make particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his opinion. Smith's opinions are based on information he considers reliable, but neither integrated nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. Smith, integrated, its affiliates and or subsidiaries are not under any obligation to update or correct any information provided. Smith's statements and opinions are subject to change without notice. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Neither Smith nor integrated guarantees any specific outcome or profit. You should be aware of the real risk of loss in following any strategy or investment discussed by Smith or anyone else. Strategies or investments discussed may fluctuate in price or value. Investors may get back less than invested. Investments or strategies mentioned on this website or in the show 
may not be suitable for you. This material does not take into account your particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs, and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for you. You must make an independent decision regarding investments or strategies mentioned by Smith. Before acting on information you hear, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular circumstances and strongly consider seeking advice from your own financial or investment advisor. Investment advice offered through Integrated Financial Partners, a registered investment advisor. Integrated Financial Partners provides investment advisory services through several doing business as names. The information in this material is for general information only and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Integrated Financial Partners does not provide legal, tax, mortgage advice, or services. Integrated Partners and Convergent Wealth Partners are separate entities from J.D. Merritt & Company. 